Well, we survived Afghanistan. We made it back okay. Um, I'm going to talk about that a lot next week. Um, everything was great, except I think I caught some, like, uh, I think I caught SARS on the, on the plane ride home. So if I stuff hits you, I'm sorry for that. You might want to move. But uh, I got a bad cold, and uh, so I'll, if, you, if you don't like the sniffing sound, you might want to leave now because you're going to hear a lot of it. But um, uh, hey, we start a new series today um, on light, and uh, let me kind of set this up, and it's a really unlikely story. You'll say, what does this have to do with Jesus? But hang with me, and I'll kind of show you. A couple of years ago, I, I was a youth pastor back in Kentucky, and, and uh, one night after Wednesday night church, after all the kids had gone home, I had gone home, and then I realized I'd left something back at the church, and I had to go back and get it. It was about midnight, and so I got in the car, and I drove the couple blocks over to where the church was, and we're going to describe this church building I used to, to be in. It was this solid concrete building. It had no no windows whatsoever. And so besides it being midnight, there were no windows. And when I walked into this room, which is about half the size of this room, it was pitch black. And some genius had designed the building by putting the light switch on the back wall opposite the doors. All right. And some of you engineers, you know who you are. But anyway, so anyway, I walk in there and I, I kind of have the room memorized because I'd just been there a couple hours. I knew where everything was. And I also knew that the, the fire alarm, the smoke detector was right above the light switch. And if I just tracked towards the little red light, you know, I would find my way to the light switch. And so I took off across the room because thinking I knew where everything was. Little did I know that between the time I had left church and gone home, somebody had rearranged the room uh, with, with platforms uh, about this high. Okay. Yeah, you see it coming, don't you? So I'm walking because I have all the confidence in the world. I know what I'm doing. And I walk into this platform and it catches me right here. And I yell something like, oh, fudge or something. Except it wasn't that. But don't judge me, okay? Because like you would not have gone, oh my, that hurt. No, 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 no. There's some words that only only will do. So I'm sitting there in the Lord's house and I'm shouting and stuff like that. And from the for the rest of the trip to the light switch, I kind of went like this, trying to find my way until I found the light to the light switch. Now, now they say, why am I telling you this? Why am I confessing that to you? Is you know what? I, I I find myself, and maybe you find yourself that sometimes I find myself living my life like that. Kind of living my life, kind of like, ah, oh, what am I going to bump into? And I'm going to kind of give you the takeaway for tonight and really the next two or three weeks in here. And this is really deep stuff that if you can memorize it tonight, you don't have to come to church the next two weeks. But, but here it is, ready? Walking in light is better than walking in dark. That's deep, wasn't it? Right? Life is better in the light than, than, than life in, in, in the dark. And, and you didn't have to come to church to know that's true. We've known that all our life, Right? When we were little kids, we wanted a nightlight on or leave the bathroom light on or something like that because we knew light is better than dark. And when we grew up, I mean, it's the same thing. I, I want there to be street lights on my street. I want there to be headlights on my car. I want there to be security lights on, on, on my French ports because life, life in light is better than life in dark. Walking in light, seeing what's coming and what I'm heading towards is much better than just trying to figure it out out there in the dark. And Jesus knew that. And that's what we're going to look at the next few weeks in here. Jesus knew that. As as a matter of fact, of all the things the Bible compares Jesus to, or even that Jesus compares himself to, and he's talking about himself, probably the number one thing Jesus says, I'm kind of like this, or the Bible says he's kind of like this, is the word light. Is the word light. Listen to what Jesus says about himself here. And this is the verse we're going to look at quite a bit tonight. John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people... now. I'll, I'll, I'll set this whole story up for you later. But, but anyway, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. He didn't say I'm like a light or kind of like a light. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light, have the light of life. 
And I want to come back to that and put that in context of when Jesus said it. But Jesus said it over and over. He just comes out and says, I'm the light of the world. I, I'm the light of, of your world. And I'm telling you, if you'll just follow me. And, you know, that was the number one thing that came out of Jesus' mouth. It wasn't you're doing it wrong or you need to change the way you live or you're going to hell or something like that. More, the most common phrase that fell out of Jesus' mouth was, listen, just follow me. He says this, I'm the, I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to kind of live like this. Wondering if you're going to bump into something in darkness and fear. But you'll have light for your life, for all the scary places in your life. And he says, I just came to shine a light to show you a better way to live your life. And in another place, people ask Jesus, now, why, why do you even do things you do? And Jesus explained it like this. this. This is one of my favorite verses. He says this, for the Son of Man, that's one of Jesus' titles, all right? For the Son of Man came, and here's why Jesus came to earth, to seek and save what was lost. So Jesus came for a couple of reasons. One was to shine a light and go, hey, this is actually a better way to live. I know you're living like that. I didn't come here to, you know, to throw stones at you or judge you or anything like that. I'm just saying, that's better. That's better. And the other thing, he kind of came as a searchlight, seeking, searching, looking for those who, for whatever reason, we got lost in the dark. We got turned around. We made some mistakes in, in, in our life. And that word save there, for the Son of Man came to seek and save, that's that word we use in here a lot. It's a Greek word, sozo. It means this, to, to save and to heal and to rescue a few hundred years before Jesus was even born, another guy wrote this. He says, your, meaning God's word, this Bible thing, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The Bible makes this claim about itself. This is like a, a lamp for your feet. So rather than stumbling around in the dark, this kind of just shine. You go, walk here, walk over here. Don't walk over there, walk, walk, walk over here. So God's word claims to be a light and Jesus claims to be the light. And the question is, well, which one is the light? And the answer is both. Look at this, John chapter 1. This is probably one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible. John chapter 1, this is what this guy named John writes about Jesus. He says, the word, God's word, God's thoughts, God's purposes, God's, God's, God's teaching became flesh. God's word put on flesh and made his dwelling. He lived among us. We've seen his glory. Of what? The radiance, the shining out of this light. The glory of the one and only. There's no one like him who came from the Father full of grace and, tr- and truth. Picture it like this. Over the last several thousand years, God spoke to people in a lot of ways. And they just couldn't get it. He spoke and said, I want you to do this. And they're like, I don't understand. He talked to prophets and prophets wrote things down. And people would read them and go, I don't understand. So finally, God says, listen, I just don't want to speak to you. I don't want to just talk to you. My words are actually going to put flesh on, put skin and bone on, grow hair and come to earth. And that's what we're looking at this month. God's word put on flesh was born in poverty, born in a barn, laid in a manger, grew up, worked as a construction worker. For the last three years of his life, he walked around the Middle East on planet Earth going, just shine a light. Hey, this is a better way to live your life. Just follow me. I'm telling you, I can take you to a better place in your life. I can show you how to reconnect with, with my father. You know the most commonly re- repeated phrases in the whole Bible? It's not God loves you. That's a good one. It's in there, but it's not the most popular. Or you should love God. That's in there, but it's not... The most repeated phrase in the whole Bible is, don't be afraid. They say it a whole bunch of different ways in there. Fear not, take courage, don't be afraid. It's in there 366 times. The most common phrase in the Bible is, don't be afraid. Isn't it amazing that the, the, the number one thing Jesus is compared to or with in the Bible is the one thing that chases fear away? Light? See, I, I don't think it's a coincidence when that angel showed up, the first thing that came out of his mouth talking to those shepherds was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Eight days after Jesus was born, his parents take him into this temple. And this prophet named Simeon says, I've seen God's salvation. 
I've seen with my own eyes. I can now see how God's going to save us. And people are going to be able to touch and, and feel and, 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 and be with him. And this little baby right here, he's going to be a light. It's going to shine in all kinds of people, Jews and non-Jews, all kinds of people. And they'll finally get to figure out what kind of God you are. If you were to ask Jesus, why, why did you come? If you could be there at that manger and, and hang around a few years until he could talk, you know, go, now, now, why are you here? I really believe he'd say, I came to shine light into the dark, scary places of your life. I came. This is why Jesus came. So you don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm the light of the world, he'd say. And I'd really like to be the light of your world. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, here's the thing, okay, about lights. Lights are good. Lights can work for you. Lights can help you. Lights can save you. Lights can rescue you. They can, they can, they can be a really good thing. But you know what I've, I've found out? Is that sometimes lights can work against you too. It all depends on who's holding the light and who's pointing the light. See, by the time Jesus shows up on planet Earth, religion had kind of digressed to the point where, where God's word was not being used for people as a searchlight to find people and to help people. It, it became more of like a, a spotlight Religious people are walking around using God's word to go, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Anybody know people like this? You're doing it wrong. You're going to hell. You should stop that. God's mad at you. And they would walk around the streets condemning people with God's word. The very thing that God had given for us was being used against us. The Bible was being used to judge people and go, you're condemned. There's no, there's no hope for you. You know, last week when I was in Af- Afghanistan, uh, and if you ever read a book like The Kite Runner or something like that, I, I was reading a lot of the history of, of what goes on in, over the last 10 or 15 years in, in Afghanistan. There's this, there's this group of people called the Taliban. And I'm sure you, if you've ever watched CNN, you, you've heard about them. But they kind of a, were self-appointed enforcers of the Koran. They would read it, they would study it, and then they would get in the back of pickup trucks or walk the streets of Afghanistan looking for people that weren't doing it right. Hey, the law says this, and you're off the law. Your beard's not long enough. Your clothes aren't the right way. You're talking too loud. You're not praying enough. You're not praying in the right way. You're not praying in the right building. And they would jump out of these trucks with their sticks, and they would beat people, sometimes even kill people. They, they, they said, you know what? We're both judge and jury. We are God's people to enforce what he has to say. And you look at that, and you go, you know, that's bad. If you've ever seen any of the footage of, of the executions at the soccer stadium or stuff like that over there that, that, that went on to just a few years ago, it's really easy to look at people like the Taliban or Al-Qaeda and go, or terrorists and go, you know, they shouldn't do that. But let's just be honest. How many times do we tend, oh, we don't execute people, but we sure pass judgment on people, don't we? We've kind of put ourselves in, in the role of both judge and jury. We feel like it's our job to find out what people are doing wrong and not just find out, but to, to punish them, to judge them, to put them in some category going, you're disqualified, you're doing it wrong, God's mad at, at you. We use God's word against people, not for them. Jesus never intended that. He didn't do it and he didn't intend us to do it. Look at this, John chapter 12. This is Jesus talking about himself. He says, I have come into the world as a light. And later he tells the church, now I want you to do the things that I've done. So you can look in here at Jesus and, look, and kind of insert the word church. This church exists, Flatterance Church exists to kind of be a light in the world. Now we can't save anybody. We're just going to be a light that says, hey, there's a better way to live and his name's Jesus. So that no one who believes in Jesus should stay in darkness. We're not going around judging people. We're just going, hey, look, just check him out. We're just shining a light on Jesus. Go, just, just look at him. I'm telling you, it's a better way to live your life. As for the person who hears my words but doesn't keep them, I, Jesus, and later the church, I don't judge him. And church, don't you judge him either. Certainly don't dole out punishment. That's not your job. 
For I did not, listen, this is really going to blow you away. This is Jesus saying, I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. This is a guy like this again. Oh, no. Jesus came in here to tell people what they're doing wrong. No, no, no. That's not what he came at all. Jesus came to show a better way. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to save it. Now he goes on. There is a judge, and it's not you, by the way. There is a judge for the one who rejects Jesus and doesn't accept Jesus' words. That very word which I spoke will condemn them on the last day. You don't have to judge people. They'll judge themselves, I'm telling you. Their words will find them out. That's not your job. Jesus didn't come here to judge people or condemn people, even people that reject him. He came to offer light. He came to show a light, to go, hey, listen, this is a better way to live. I'm telling you, this is a better way. But light does cast shadows. See, Jesus came to judge. All right, he came to save, not judge. And if he came to save, you've got to read between the lines. He's going to save you from something. What did he come to save you from? And the answer is judgment. He didn't come to judge you. He came to save you from judgment. Because, listen, you got to hear that, all right? There is a judgment. There is a ju- All of us are going to stand before God one day and we will be judged according to everything that we've ever done. And if you're sitting here going, well, you know, I don't come to church very often, but that kind of scares the heck out of me. It ought to. The judgment of God ought to scare you to death. It really, it really should. But here's the thing. The cool part of this whole thing is you don't have to be judged because Jesus can save you from the judgment. How? Follow him. Follow him. Trust him. Keep his words. See, let me, let me clear this up, all right? Let me turn a light on for you. Jesus didn't come to do away with all the rules. You know, I'm saved by grace. I don't have to follow the rules anymore. Eh, not true. Jesus didn't come to, to do away with this thing. You know, as a matter of fact, if you read Matthew chapter 5, he says, could I clear something up? This is his first public speech. He says, hey, the, the law, those 10 commandments and all the other 603 commandments that go along with them, those aren't going away. As a matter of fact, you've got to live perfectly righteous lives or you'll never get to God. He says, listen, I just came for two reasons. One is to show you a better way to live your life. And two, if you break any of those rules, the condemnation will fall on me, not you. Does that make sense? He didn't come to judge you. We're already judged. He came to save us from the judgment that we deserve. Listen, this is probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible. And the verse after it's probably the most neglected verse in the whole Bible. Listen, and you probably, let's just read this first verse together. Ready? One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's the verse, okay? All you, God sent his son, his only son. And if you believe in him, you trust in him, you won't go to hell. You won't be condemned. You won't have God's judgment fall on you. You'll live forever with him. Now look at this next verse, all right? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Why'd you send your son down here to set things right? No, 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 no. He didn't come in here to condemn the world. It's already condemned. But that the world through Jesus might be saved. You got to let this sink in. Jesus is the light of the world. And he came into this world to show us a better way to live our lives. He came into this to say, listen, no matter how much you screwed up or how dark and, and turned around you've gotten in life, I'm telling you, you can still be connected back to my father. Now, there's a judgment coming, but I'm telling you, I didn't come to judge you. I came to take the judgment off of you and put it on myself. I came to save you. Now, I want you to let us sink in. So if anybody asks, now, why did Jesus come to earth and born in Bethlehem? He came as the light of the world to show us a better way to live our life and to connect us back with God, to pay for our own mistakes. Now, what's that look like? 
What, what, what does it look like to shine a light, to take the judgment on himself and, and not condemn? What, what, what does that mean? Look, back there, I, I said, let me, let me give you the context of that first verse. The first time Jesus says, I'm, I'm the light of the world. Let me set this up for you. There's these religious rulers back in Jesus' day, and, and they're really not that much different than the Taliban, if you actually look at what they did. And, and they had caught this girl committing adultery, all right? Which means they pretty much were just like the Taliban. They, they kind of rode around in the streets of Jerusalem looking for people that were breaking the Bible law, okay? And they found this girl. I don't know how they found this girl. I don't know if they had, you know, spies out there. I don't know if they were peeping in windows or something like that. But they broke the door down. They pulled the sheets back. And they pulled this girl naked out of bed down the street. And they throw her at the feet of Jesus. And there she is. Fingers pointing, whispers. Spotlight shining right, right on her. And here's the thing that just always blew me away about this story. It takes two to commit adultery. Some of you are going, oh, yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no mention of the man here. You're right. This is the most unfair society that probably has ever been. They, th- they take this, this girl, probably a teenage girl, right? They throw her at Jesus' feet and they quote the law, Moses' law to, to, to Jesus. They say, hey, Jesus, Moses tells us it's the law. That people like this, people that do stuff like this, like her, deserve to die. What do you have to say about it? Now, here's the thing, okay? They were right. I could take you back to the book of Leviticus right now, and I could show you verse after verse after verse that says, there are certain things that if you do, the Bible says, you deserve to be, to be killed. And right at the top of the list is, if you sleep with somebody that's not you're not married to, the, the, the Old Testament law says, you should be condemned, you should be put to death if you're guilty of it and let me tell you there's no doubt she's guilty it wasn't a rumor they heard about her there wasn't you know some word on the street this girl i think is an adulteress no 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 they went in there they pulled the covers back they pull her out of bed they throw her straight out of adultery right at the feet of jesus she is guilty she did it now let's take another time out here okay how would you be feeling right now if you were this girl i mean embarrassed i don't know if that would do it uh, humiliated, devastated. I'm pretty sure she's, she's laying there in the dust trying to cover, you know, all of her nakedness. Things like, this isn't how my life is going to turn out, came, came through her mind. You ever feel like that? You ever found your place, yourself in a place in your life where you're, you're kind of looking around going, no way did I think this would ever happen to me. Anybody? I think, I think she's just laying there, you know, want, wanting to die. Can, can you relate to that? I mean, put yourself in, in, in her shoes. Think of your worst moment. Think of your biggest oops, your biggest, uh-oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Is there something in your life tonight? Nobody knows about it because if anybody found out about it, you'd be divorced. You'd be fired. Your, your kids would look at you and go, you're, I don't want you to be my dad. You lose your reputation. You lose everything. See, I think if I was this woman... I'd be laying there trying to cover myself up going, would you just hurry up and kill me? It, it, it would be easier. They look at Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, that's the law. What do you say? What should we do to her? It's a trick question. Here's why it's a trick question. If he says, uh, yeah, kill her, then he's, he's violated Roman law and they can say, look, he's against Caesar because the law says only Romans can kill people and Jews can't kill each other. If he says, no, he shouldn't kill her, then he's violated Moses' law and they'd say, see, you're a fake and you really don't, you're really not... Not from God at all. Jesus is smart. 
You might want to write that down. Jesus is smart, all right? This is, this is his response to this. Jesus bends down and starts to write on the ground with his finger. They're asking these questions. Tell us, you know, we're going to trap you in your answer. And he didn't even answer. He just reached down and starts writing in the dirt. They kept on questioning him. And finally, he straightened up and he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, and some interpret it as this sin, has anybody in the crowd not committed adultery? Or at the very least, has anybody in this crowd never sinned? If he is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I've always wondered what he wrote. You know, it doesn't say. I, this is kind of my idea on this. I think he wrote down and started writing names and sins. Jim. Spring break. I throw my rock down and run home, you know. It's like, or, you know, like Paul. And the long list of things with Paul, you know, or, or all these kind of things. And he just, he just kind of came up with this and then kind of looked at him like, you're going to, you're going to kill her. You're going to throw the first stone. Look at the next verse at this. Those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, they, they kind of knew how life worked until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Now, get this. This is this most... I, I just don't think Jesus would have said this, but he did. Look at this. And neither do I. No one else condemned you. No, they all went home. Didn't. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Don't do this anymore. Now, I got a couple questions, all right? Did Jesus not condemn her because he thinks adultery is okay? No. No. You know, he didn't look at her and go, you know, that Moses guy was a little harsh. You know, and that rule, I've never really agreed with that rule. And you crazy kids are probably in love anyway. And you're going to get in love. So, you know, go on back to your room. You know, no, he didn't say that. He looks at her and says, listen, I got to tell you what you just did up there. Adultery. It's a sin. It's a sin. I'm not judging you. I'm just trying to shine a light on the dark places of your life. And I'm telling you, that's not the way to live your life. Now, walk away from this. Don't. Do this anymore. That's not judgmental. It's a better way to live your life. Did Jesus not condemn her because he wasn't qualified to judge her? No, no, no. Of all the crowd, there was one person in the crowd that was qualified to throw the first stone. And that would be Jesus. He could have said, I'll go first. Bam. You know, and everybody, yeah, I'll get it. He could have done that. You know what? If this story was rewritten and it ended with a bloody dead girl in the middle of the street, nobody could say it wasn't fair. Nobody could say it wasn't right because according to the law, people who do stuff like this end up condemned and eventually in hell. That's what the Bible says anyway. Jesus could have judged her. He had every right to and every ability to. He could have punished her. But for some reason, he chose not to. You know why? Because Jesus didn't condemn her because he'd rather save her than condemn her. He then passed judgment on her and stick her in a, in a category that says disqualified people. You ever feel like you're a disqualified person? People around you have kind of passed judgment on you and condemned you and been judging jury and says, you'll never be anything. You can't be here anymore. You'll never be the same. See, everybody knows she's guilty. She doesn't need a lecture on, did you know you're guilty? No, I didn't. I didn't know that adultery was. No, I didn't know that. She didn't need condemnation. You know what she needed? Same thing I need. Saving. I didn't need judgment. I need some forgiveness. Anybody else? 
And look at the next line right after he says, hey, listen, there's a better way to live your life. Look at this next verse. He says, then Jesus spoke again to the people because there's a crowd watching this thing go on. He looks at me and says, I'm the light of the world. And whoever follows me, including this girl that you all gave up on and wanted to kill, I'm telling you, she'll never walk in darkness. She'll have light for her life. She has a better life now. See, Jesus is the light of the world. He came to shine light in the dark places in my life, the scary places in my life, to show me a better way to live my life and you. When I disconnected from God, when I'm wandering around making mistakes in my life, he connects me back with God. Jesus makes it really clear. He could pass judgment if he wanted to. He's qualified to, but that's not why he came. He came to save. He came to search. He came to heal broken, guilty people. People like you and me. People who deserve condemnation, but need healing and saving. Let me ask you two questions and I'm done. Do you ever feel like you're walking through life like this? When you're doing your best. You're being the best dad, the best mom you can be, the best husband, the best wife, the best son or daughter, the best business person, the best financial manager, whatever. But you feel like a lot of times you're just kind of living your life like this. Just find that your life is one long string of bumping into stuff in the dark going, oh, I guess that wasn't right. You ever feel like that? You ever live your life just waiting for the next thing to impact you, the next thing to collapse, the next painful bump and bruise in your life? You ever feel like that? Let me ask you another question. When you listen to that story of that girl lying naked on the floor, lying naked in the street, humiliated and embarrassed. Is there part of you, because this is my story, is there part of you that sits there and goes, ah, if people knew about my stuff, anybody? If people knew about my secrets, my shame, my mistakes, my sin. Let me take a little bit further. If that was you that got thrown at Jesus' feet, guilty, and the whole room, the whole crowd knew exactly what you had done. And Jesus kind of bent down and looked you in the eye. What do you think he'd say to you tonight? Do you think he would uh, kind of put a finger in your chest and go, you know what you are? You are a, and to her, he'd say, you're a whore or you're a homewrecker or you're a bad dad or you're, you're, a, you're a horrible wife or you can't even keep your marriage vows. And do you know what you've done with your finances? And you're, you're just not even a good person. Do you think, think is what he would say to you? Because he probably could. Is that what he'd say to you? Or do you think he would tell you that, you know, you should know better than that? And he's right. I should know. I knew better than all my, mis- my mistakes and sin. Do you think he would, that's what he'd say to you? Do you, think, do you think he would tell you that what you did doesn't matter? Ah, oh, don't worry about it. Boys will be boys. Love is in the air. You know, what, what do you think that's what he'd say? Do you think he'd throw a Bible verse at you and tell you you're not doing it right? Think he'd tell you to go away? Hey, listen, I've put up with your stuff long enough. Go away. Think he'd throw a stone at you? Or do you think it's possible that no matter what you've done in your life, it's possible that Jesus would raise you up, look you in the face and go, I'm not mad at you. I'm not disgusted by you. I'm not disappointed in you. As a matter of fact, the reason I came is to forgive you and shine a light, show you a better way to live your life. If you're sitting here tonight going, I wish that was true, but I'm not sure it is. According to Jesus, that's why he came. And that's what he does. We live in a big, scary, dark world, don't we? Life is scary and life is dark and life is hard. So let me ask you this. What are you afraid of? 
What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of death? If I died today, I don't know what would happen. Are you, are you afraid of the future? I got college facing me and I've got this facing me and the economy's all crazy and I don't know about this. And are you afraid of your relationships? My marriage is on the rocks. My parents' marriage is on the rocks. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my whatever it is, your finances, just like house of cards. Are you afraid of God? Are you afraid of the past catching up with you, guilt, all that thing? What are you afraid of? What's the dark place in your life? That you just need some savior to come along and shine some light in there. 2,000 years ago, there's this God who had this one son and he sent him into the world, not to condemn the world, but to shine light into all the scary dark places of our life. And he said things like this, don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. I, I'm with you. I didn't come to hurt you. I didn't come to judge you. I didn't come to condemn you. And I certainly didn't come to punish you. As a matter of fact, I just came to show you a better way because I love you. I'm the light of the world. Let's pray. God, I just uh, come to you right now. I just never thought of you that way. Now, I love this past week as I'm sitting down to write this message because I'm reminded... um, You're the light of the world, and I am not. And I have dark places in my life and scary things, things I'm terrified of. And and then you come along, not to judge me or condemn me because there's enough of that out there. And even though you could, instead you choose to shine light and go, Hey, Jim, listen, there's a better way to live your life. Follow me, and I'll forgive that, the dark places. I'll forgive the mistakes. Just follow me. God, I just, I just sense that tonight there's some of us in this room that um, we come to church and every time we come to church, it's just a reminder of how screwed up we are and how messed up and how many mistakes we've made. And we come in here hoping that this will make a difference. And God, we can never make up or, for our mistakes or our sins by uh, coming to church a lot. But maybe in a room like this tonight on a snowy, cold, icy night, we could be reminded that there is this God who had this one son named Jesus. And he sent this son, Jesus, into the world, not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but to, to save us, to show us a better way to live our life. God, I pray right now. I can't pray this uh, for people or instead of people. They have to pray this themselves. But we just ask you tonight, God, there's some stuff that terrifies us, weighs us down, dark, scary corners of our life. Would you come into those parts right now? Would you shine light into those parts right now? Will you show us what we need to do, what we need to change, what we need to give up, what we need to take hold of, what we need to say? We need to go out of this room and and go do it. Would you go with us and shine a light as we go? You're the light of the world. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.